Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. So I'm in the studio today with Eileen Kelly, and you call yourself a sex educator. Yes. Is that your title? That is my title. Um, I'm a certified sex educator with an associate in sex education, and I also run a sex education platform for millennials. What is a sex educator? I don't know if I've ever met one. (laughs) Um, So just your basic sex ed of, you know, safety for... Um, embarking on any sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I educate people on how to have safer sex. Okay. And then can you tell me a bit more about your platform as well? Yes. So my platform is called Killer and a Sweet Thing. Yes. And so we have over 70 writers across the country who write um, in a peer-to-peer format. So they write about anything regarding, you know, getting an abortion at age 16 all the way to having sex with a straight guy when you're gay. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so it's a website and you can just go on the website and kind of like read articles or are there videos as well? Yeah, or? so it's article-based mm-hmm. um, and it's called killerandasweetthing.com. Yeah. And yeah, they write from a personal format. So anything sex, dating, identity, um, the whole gamut. Right. Okay. And what did you just wake up one morning and think, I want to be a sex educator? How did this journey happen to you? Yeah, a little more complicated than yeah. that. Tell me everything. So I grew up in a very conservative community um, with a single dad mm-hmm. in a house full of boys. So my mom actually passed away when I was very young. And when I was going through puberty, I just noticed, you know, going to Catholic school my entire life and not having a female figure the lack of sex ed and the negative effects. Mm -hmm. So I had friends who got abortions very young, 14, 15, um, STI outbreak in Seattle. And so I was like, okay, there are very real, you know, negative effects or implications of a lack of sex ed. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to New York and I studied gender studies, I realized that this is what I needed when I was younger, Mm -hmm. and there's not something that exists like that. So I set out to create kind of what I wanted. Got it. And where are people getting all of their sex education now typically? Because when I think back to me being in school, I mean, it was horrifying. (laughs) It was really something else. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, mostly from their peers. Right. So you get misinformation spread around. And now with the internet, mm-hmm. there's so, they're like this magnitude of information. Yeah. And how do you know what's correct? And how do you know what's inclusive and, yeah, accurate? Yeah. And on your platform, do you also talk about, because something that I'm really interested in right now is like women owning their sexiness and like their sexuality, because I feel like for a really long time, I personally held that back and I felt like I didn't want to be sexy or couldn't be sexy or like even enjoy sex in a certain way. Do you ever talk about that kind of thing on your site? Yeah, absolutely. We have pieces just about being sex positive and yeah. what it truly means. And so the definition is um, believing that a, people should be able to consensually explore their sexual identity, right. whatever that is, right. and that what works for you may not work for me and vice versa, and that's okay. Got it. And what about people who don't are in a relationship maybe and don't want to have sex. Is that okay? Like, is yeah, there a... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being abstinent takes us. Oh, so I'm nervous. Let's hear the first caller. This is Mabel. Hello? Hi, Estee. My name's Mabel. I'm from Australia. I have embraced my sexuality a lot more as I've become older. Um, I've also been through quite a lot in the last few years. I'm 28. So I think, you know, from the ages of 18 to 28, you do grow a lot and you mature a lot and you go through lots of life experiences. Um, I've never been shy about asking for what I like, but I think that's part of my personality. And I think it's also just, um, yeah, just becoming a lot more, um, conscious of my health and my fitness and, as a result, just getting to know my body better um, and being more comfortable with my body. I love my body. Um, And, you know, if someone else doesn't like it, that's fine too. I don't have to sleep with them. (laughs) Okay. So basically this question came up because I put on Instagram, like, like if there are any of you out there who like want to be spanked, for instance, in the bedroom and like, don't know how to ask for it. Like, how do you teach someone how to ask for what they want sexually? I mean, to even begin that statement or this question, I would say you first have to know what your fantasies are by yourself. So I really push for, you know, exploring masturbation, exploring your fantasies on your own before you even approach a partner with them. Mm -hmm. Because how can you expect your partner to make you orgasm or know what you like if you don't even know what you like? So first and foremost, I would say, you know, Take that time in the bedroom by Mm -hmm. yourself. Um, Explore your body, what turns you on, what feels good, and then approach it with a partner. And it can just be as easy as a conversation about consent. You know, hey, I really want to try 69ing. Um, That would be really hot. It's just super easy. It's all about communication. And just it it takes practice. To get comfortable with communication really just takes practice. Communication can be very difficult, especially if, I guess, you have a fantasy that maybe you're embarrassed by. Do you find a lot of people are embarrassed by their sexual fantasies? Absolutely. I mean, especially with fetish play. So specific fetishes have a lot of taboo attached with them, even simple ones like latex play Mm -hmm. or pantyhose fetishes or feet fetishes. The list goes on. Um, It's so funny or sad, really, how our society has kind of managed to sweep 
this under the rug and just attach so much shame and taboo. Well, there is so much shame. And, like, let's talk about a foot fetish, for instance. There is, like, an element of, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's, like, a humorous side of it. Like, oh, like, foot fetish. I don't know. But actually, is that so out of the blue? Like, a foot fetish? No, it's not. It's actually a lot more common than you would think. It's very common. I mean, I feel like I'm getting a little... Well, much more open with my sex stuff. I mean, not to say that I'm going to just let it all out here on the podcast, but I think that it is important to kind of talk about things in a more open way, which is also why I really wanted to do this episode. But that's a really good tip about the masturbation. And I want to talk about masturbating because I have a friend who said to me the other day, I don't even know how to masturbate. Have you ever heard this? I have heard that. Or a lot of people who say that they don't when they do, which adds to the shame, adds to the taboo. So why are—I remember there was a time when I was like, I was that person. I was like, I don't masturbate. Like, absolutely not. I don't—I just don't do it. Like, there—it obviously was a huge shame thing, but now I'm a very open masturbator, and (laughs) (laughs) I just— why is there, first of all, why do you think there's shame around it? And what if you're, what would you say to someone who is trying to embrace it more and get more involved in the yeah. in masturbation? How do, how do they start? Yeah, how do you start? Um, okay, so for from a historical perspective, a lot of the anti-masturbation sentiment has come from religion. religion. So there are, you know, like Old Testament tales of touching yourself can make you go blind. Right. Can um, make you grow body hair and parts of your body that you that wouldn't normally grow hair. Mm-hmm. Um, just crazy things that it could kill you. And so as we grow and progress and we have science to back up that actually masturbating is very good for you. It is? Yeah. How many um, times a day can I get away with it? <laughs> as much as you want. As much <laughs> as you can fit in your work schedule, right? Um, no, but it can relieve menstrual cramps. It can relieve stress. Um, just a whole, you know, list of health benefits. Okay. And so for someone who's starting out masturbating, I would say, you know, privacy yeah. Number one, just so you don't, you're not nervous that someone's going to walk in on you. Right. And kind of setting the mood, you know, lower the lights, be in your bed in the evening, maybe after you took a warm shower, and really just exploring with your own hands is how I would say to start off. Yeah. And then from there, I always recommend to start with a bullet vibrator. Okay. Let's back up the vibrator <laughs> bus because I have a vibrator. Okay. What I kind? have, it's a little purple thing. Okay. <laughs> And I was excited about it. I I didn't know what to expect. Everybody's always talking about how amazing vibrators are. I enjoyed it. I really did. But I am a personal fan of just no vibrator, but maybe I'm using the wrong one. No, I mean, I think there's both ways. Okay. Um, But I think what, if you're beginning your masturbation journey, just remember to focus on your clitoris. Okay. So that's really important. I always tell people to even bring a mirror down there and just explore, maybe even Google images like uh, 
you know, vulva or vagina diagram so you can locate your clitoris, your labia. Just take a peek down there. Right. Get a mirror involved. Yeah. You don't want to be like blind messing around down there. You want to know what you're doing. Right. I don't know. I feel a little scared to put a mirror down there. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not really. But it's not something I'm doing in my spare time. But that's probably an important thing to do. I would say that's an important step. Just so you know where everything's located. Got it. And then really focusing on your clit. Because most women or people with vaginas can't um, orgasm just from penetration or just from getting fingered. Right. Or just from any sort of insertion. They really need that clitoral stimulation. Focus on the clit. The clit is a really a magical thing. It is. It's a magic. It's a magical part of our bodies. I read this thing on Twitter the other day saying that like the third eye was the clit of the forehead or something, and it was like that's why scalp massages are so nice. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll, I'll take that back with me. No, but it's true. So the clit is the only part of the body that was that is pure. It's only made for pleasure. It's, it's just pu- its purpose is just pleasure. Okay. And why do people always say to pee after you have sex? Um, Because you want to pee out the bacteria. Okay. So sometimes when you're having sex, just a little bit of bacteria can get trapped or pushed up there, up your urethra. Yes. And so you just want to pee it all out. And especially if they come in you, that's really important to not get a UTI. Got it. Okay. Well, before we explore that, let's hear (laughs) one more question. Hello? So I feel like the older I get, the more nervous I am about um, confronting my sexuality. When I was in high school and like college, like I wanted to look cute and dress sexy and I didn't mind getting attention, not that I ever got any attention, but I didn't mind it. Um, But now as an adult, um, I had an a. sexual harassment, assault experience with a mentor at one of my jobs. And it's really affected me. And now I have found that it's extremely difficult for me to embrace my sexuality. Um, I've started dressing in baggier clothing and it's, I feel super awkward um, in bed with my fiance and I shouldn't because I love him, but I feel like it's more common these days for girls to run into those experiences where they might be fine when they're younger, but then something happens or they're slut shamed and it makes them just feel awkward and they then struggle with their sexuality. And I don't think that life should be like that. So yeah, that's my experience. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say my name or anything or where I'm from, but I'm Caitlin. I'm from, um, upstate New York in the U.S. So, yeah, thank you. Bye. So let's talk about slut-shaming because she did speak about that. What is slut-shaming at its core? I mean, it's breaking down people, really, for the choices they make sexually or the autonomy over their own body and taking it away from them. Okay. So can I have an example of slut-shaming? Yeah, I mean, let's say... I went out last Friday. Yeah. Or you went out last Friday. Yeah. And you had sex with two people that night. Yes. Whether you had a threesome or just the evening progressed, you slept with two people. Some some of your friends found out and they decided to text each other um, or even to your face saying like, 
ew, that's gross. Right. Um, I can't believe you're so easy. None of those partners or men would ever want to date you. That's slut-shaming. Got it. Or that's like a clear example. Okay. So it does seem like that's something that's really trying to be combated. I see it online a lot that, you know, a lot of people are standing up against it. Do you see a shift at all in slut-shaming? Do you think it's getting better? I think there's more awareness around it. Um, I don't know if it's actually getting better. Okay. I would say that the majority of slut-shaming I see, especially with young people, is girl to girl, women mm-hmm. to women. Okay. And so for me, that's really upsetting to to watch. And I know it's from a more of a societal, cultural problem. Yeah. And it's it's much layered, or it's very layered. But I always think about in my own personal life, I want to lift my friends up. Mm-hmm. I want to accept whatever choices work for them. And really, my sex life or their sex life is, it's no one's business. It's your own business. That's it. Got it. Like, even if you want to fib about who you slept with or how many people you've fucked, what, what am I allowed to say that? Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Then that's, you know, that's such an individual, unique experience. And no one has the power to speak on that besides yourself. Let's take a really quick break. Hold the line. We'll be back right after this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so if you're someone like our last caller who has felt harassed or slut-shamed, how do you take those feelings of shame or whatever kind of emotions get brought up and flip it and own it? Own basically? it. Yeah, I mean, easier said than done. Definitely. But I would say for her, you know, she talked about feeling uncomfortable having sex with her fiancé, even though she loves her fiancé. Mm-hmm. I think that's an opportunity to have a conversation about what's going on kind of sounds like she's suffering in silence. So I urge her to, you know, talk over this experience with your fiancé. It's someone who loves you. And I think hearing his feedback and feeling validated in your experience will do a lot for you. Why is it so hard to talk about sex, even in, in, in public, even with your friends sometimes, 
and even with your partner. Do, do you hear that a lot? I do hear that a lot, but it's so funny because I don't feel like I live that. I mean, I talk right. about sex all day. It's like so second nature to me. But yeah, I mean, when I was younger, obviously growing up in a Catholic bubble. But yeah, just so much shame and taboo attached to it at such a young age, at the formative years. Of, right. Oh, no, you don't masturbate. Um, don't talk about sex. Don't talk about how many partners you have. Um, when you have a new partner, don't tell them how many past partners you have. It's just, it's all about, you know, seeming pure. Okay. Because I know for me, something that I struggled with a long time was getting pleasure from sex. Like I would almost, I wouldn't, I don't say the word is guilty, but I almost felt like do I deserve Do this? I deserve it? Yeah. Do I deserve it? But you do deserve it. Oh, honey. <laughs> I have learned that I truly do. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it and you can have it. And I always stress that is sex should be and can be pleasurable. And it can always be pleasurable. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. And I also think with sex is every partner is different. You have a completely different experience with everybody that you sleep with. And that's actually can be very scary, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's especially scary if you have a negative experience at a very young age. Right. Because that can, just like this woman, affect your future experiences or how you go into them or how you view them. That's like someone who's been assaulted or especially if you have dealt with any child sexual abuse, your rate of being assaulted again, like, doubles. Got it. Okay. That seems really tough. Do you deal with a lot of questions and things from people who have been assaulted? Um, yes, especially in the Me Too, you know, movement. Yeah. I feel like people are much more comfortable speaking up mm -hmm. and reaching out and talking about this. But at the same time, I am very young and continuing my studies, so I, tr you know, I'm not an expert on that field, I would say. Got it. So that's not something that you're, like, particularly focused on on your site? Yeah, or particularly comfortable giving my feedback on, yeah, I would rather refer outwards. I have so many colleagues and friends that yeah. are experienced sex therapists for the past 25, 30 years, and yeah. those are people who I feel more comfortable, you know, speaking or on this subject. That's beautiful. I love that answer so much. <laughs> I really do because I think especially some like things like sex and lots of other subjects is sometimes people won't want to talk about a specific subject because they don't know all the answers and they're you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there is literally nothing wrong with saying I don't have much experience with that, which is why I reach out words and get this person to help yeah. me with that. And I think it is so amazing that I don't know how young you are, but you look very youthful <laughs> and beaut. Um, I think it's amazing that you're talking about this stuff because it is a really heavy subject and there is so much that goes into it. I mean, I'm not particularly comfortable talking about sex, but I just think I just wanted to give you a little compliment because oh, I think it's awesome. You. Okay, let's hear another question from Laura. Hello? I have the problem that I have a pretty goofy, cute personality. So then my boyfriend doesn't find me very sexy. But when I get in the bedroom, I want to be a little freaky. And I like trying new things. And I like being tied up. And I want it to be a serious time. But it always just winds up 
am like being laughed at when I'm talking about real things I want to try or do or situations I want to be a part of. And I don't really know how to get it across that I'm not always just goofy and I can be sexy. How do I change that? This is an interesting one to me because Mm -hmm. when your real life is occurring and you're just picking up the kids from school or you're just, you know, getting back from work or whatever and you've you've been dating someone, they know like all the boring bullshit to do with your life and then what, you just get in the bedroom and have a Fifty Shades of Grey moment? Like, (laughs) how do do you go from like regular life to sex life or should it all be intertwined? What do you think? I think it should be intertwined and I think you can have a conversation with your partner about I mean, that's what I would suggest to her. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know our relationship's really goofy or you think I'm funny and I love that about you. But at the same time, I also want to feel like you find me sexually attractive. Right. And I think, once again, so many people keep these things that are bothering them, sexually or not, inside instead of having the conversations to resolve them. Also, though, I suggest, you know, why don't you make— your bedroom like an alter ego like you can you know you can be funny and goofy outside but then when you go in you're you know a different person how do you do that (laughs) get a wig (gasps) some lingerie a wig (laughs) Uh, I mean really different ways just play out your fantasy you only have one life to live I totally totally agree and like any time that I've explored something sexually that I was like, oh, I like, I really would love to try that or whatever, I've never really regretted it. Even if I haven't, like, even if it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know what? Give it a go. Give it a real go. I think it can be very fun. I mean, I've actually, I'm quite proud of myself because all my friends have been coming to me like, Estay, how can I get this guy to do this to me? And I'm like, well, let me sit you down. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm getting from you the key is communication. Yeah. And expertise comes from experience and just pushing yourself to experience it all. It can be nerve wracking though to like. Definitely. But I think You have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Okay. And also you can rewire your brain and you can practice this communication so it comes a lot easier to you. Okay. Practice communication. That seems scary because that means you have to do it more than one time. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, have this conversation once. I'm sure it's not going to resolve and, you know, snap of your fingers. Yeah. And then you talk about it again. And then maybe you send him a flirty text or a sexy text during the day. And you just slowly shift the needle. Okay. Slowly shift the needle. That's actually a really good point, I think. So, I have a lot of friends who don't sext, for instance. I'm a big sexter. I think it's (laughs) hot. I think it's fun. It makes my day a little more interesting. What do you say to someone who has never sent a sext before? Well, um, start slow. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to jump right into, like, a huge paragraph of, like, literatica. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, just, like, I'm thinking about you. Right. Or I'm horny. I'm is, horny. It's like a great one. Who doesn't want to hear that their partner's horny? I agree. I'm not going to say no to that. Right? Yeah. And then you just, you read their body language or their response, and then you go from there. Got it. Yeah, I think you just have to jump in. Is sexting, like, the new thing? Like, is does everybody sext? Uh, I don't think everyone sex, but I do think a lot more people do, obviously, yeah. with the invention of texting and just how much that is a part of our lives. Right. 
Okay, that's interesting. Let's hear another question. Hello? I'm so excited you guys are doing a podcast on this topic. Um, it's so near and dear to my heart, and I would love to hear Estee's point of view on this. Um, but I wanted to just send something. <laughs> I saw this, and I, I just kind of had to. So I, I've had a really hard time accepting my sexuality, my my queerness. Intellectually, I know that my queerness is beautiful, and I'm beautiful, and I'm good. I'm intrinsically good. But there's parts of me that have been shamed and have been beaten and wounded. And those parts are hateful and they just carry shame. And it just builds walls all around me, just thick walls that I can barely look over to, at other people to connect because I'm so paralyzed by it. Um, and I feel like other people have felt this too. I'm sure of it. But I've never heard anyone's perspective on shame and how it's affected them and how they potentially healed throughout their life. Intellectually, I know I'm good. Intellectually, I know that everyone around me is intrinsically good and we're all just trying so hard to survive. But there's parts of me that just don't feel good enough. And it's hard to let yourself be seen and be vulnerable and unapologetically yourself, prideful, when inside you think you're not worthy. That was a big ramble, but I don't know if I can help with this podcast and get the conversation going on shame. I'm just going to be ecstatic. So (laughs) thanks for listening and goodbye. (laughs) That was really sweet. I mean, I feel like even just from her Colin, like I can hear the light within her. Mm -hmm. And I think if she can just elevate that and, you know, believe in herself and share it with others. Yeah. um, And find like-minded individuals. It's, it's never been easier. You know, the fact that she's listening to this podcast or that she follows you, um, follow movements, follow people, connect with other queer people online, with people who are fighting to share their stories as well. And it's amazing the people I've met through this journey and just talking about sex openly. And you'll find that support if you look for it. Mm -hmm. And when you are someone who is struggling so hard to connect with other people because you have that shame, like what are some practical things you can actually do? Um, to combat her internal shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think feeling validated in her experience will help a lot. So if she's not getting that at home or she's not getting that in her work environment, like I said, go online. Yeah. There are tons of even chat rooms, um, you know, maybe go volunteer to Planned Parenthood, doing something that you feel makes a difference will, you know, lift yourself up. That's an interesting point of view, actually. I was just having breakfast with someone and I was talking to them about how I'm like dying to volunteer at Planned Parenthood. And I think the way I'm looking at sex and sexuality has just changed so much since when when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago. But, you know, I 
it never occurred to me that I could be anything other than straight, for instance. Mm -hmm. It really, it just didn't occur to me. And I think with the internet and with meeting so many different types of people, I really believe that sexuality is fluid. And it's been such, it's just such a revelation to me, you know? And obviously, maybe not everybody believes that. I don't know, but that's what I believe. (laughs) Well, it's true. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And I always think about if society didn't pressure us to be a certain way, don't you think like I said before, we only have one life to live. Yeah. Why wouldn't people want to explore everything and anything during your one life? Exactly. So I think that's one thing that the internet has really brought such a light to, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it's given people a real place to feel accepted. I think it's given people a real place to explore things and been like, oh, that maybe I could be into that. Yeah, definitely. And there's the hateful side of the internet. Right. So I will say if, you know, someone is commenting like or trolling you, there's a block button for a reason mm-hmm. and never feel bad about that. And even if it's people you know that you need to separate yourself from, yeah. that's okay to do. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. Block. Block. Unfollow or make them unfollow you. They have that feature now. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. But yeah, I do think that a lot of people deal with shame and a lot of that is probably to do with their upbringings, I'm assuming. from Absolutely, like, yep. You know? And that's something that you can combat and maybe it takes time and you don't have to rush it. Right. You know, right. trust the process. I believe everything happens for a reason and, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe it will teach you who the people in your life like the people you want to be surrounded by right and do you think it's uh, like do you think it would be beneficial for her to say speak to somebody that she's dating or seeing and and discussing this shame is that easier said than done uh I definitely think that's easier said than done yeah um it sounds like she needs to maybe process it with herself but I think if she finds an amazing supportive Um, partner who accepts her queer identity, then that would be something to explore with them. Okay. And also, I just want to quickly note that, you know, sex is so much more than the mechanics. Um, It's not just sex. It's so layered. It has to do with communication, connection, intimacy. And so reminding yourself of that and that there's really nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, bottom line, we are, you know, sexual beings. I mean, sex is quite a beautiful thing when you really think about it. It is. It's how we form new life. It's it's great. And besi- <laughs> even besides that, it is just, it is a connection with another person. Yep. And whatever that looks like, it can look like so many different things. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, like, I really want to help people I guess, inspire people to figure out what does float their boat because it is such a process. And I think a lot of people are even afraid to try. Like even I have a lot of friends are, who are afraid to go there in their heads to think about what they could be into. Yeah, I mean, that's where fantasy plays a role. That's your first step into being a sexually fulfilled person. Right. Or the highest level of like being sexually fulfilled is you need to realize what your fantasies are in your head before you even explore it with anyone. How do you know if you're sexually fulfilled? Ooh, I don't think, I think it's a process. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there is a good answer I could give you right here. Okay. I think that it's as your life 
kind of plays out. And it's doing what you baseline want to do for yourself only, not to please any other any other person. Right. And I guess it looks like different things during different times of your life, yeah, right? Yeah, and for different people. Totally. And I know that, like, the type of sex I was having even, like, three months ago <laughs> is much different to the sex I'm kind of looking to have now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that's been, like, an interesting thing. I don't think sex ever has to look like the same thing all the time. Definitely. It's Like, I, I, I've just recently learned that, you know, that you don't just, like— crack the code and now you know how to have sex yeah and it's so emotional there's so, so emotional. you know so many layers to it so yeah. even if you're in a bad mood you might not have even if you're having explosive sex it might not feel that good or if you're stressed out and you're thinking about something else yeah you may not be able to orgasm right. there's just a lot of things attached to it so trusting that and just having fun with it and being safe obviously yeah <laughs> Does everyone have the ability to orgasm with a partner? Yes, pretty much everyone. Okay. Yeah. Got it. What if what if you can't or you have not? What do you do? I mean, that's where fantasy plays a role. Um, so it's a lot of people who have, you know, shame or um, have these passed down kind of uptight attitudes. So it's hard for them to relax. Is it about being uptight? No, I, I said uptight attitude. Yeah, is it about yeah. that? Um, I think that that can, yeah, hinder your ability to orgasm. Absolutely. Okay. If you are, fe- yeah, not feeling relaxed and letting things flow. If you're stressed or thinking about, oh my gosh, I need to look skinny in this moment or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be able to orgasm. It's true. I f- have been finding a lot of having good sex is letting go. Yep. And just feeling the moment feeling literally it. feeling the literally moment literally feeling it <laughs> yeah stop thinking like 15 steps ahead. ahead yeah living in that exact moment oh my god what a revelation i know i know and taking your time so foreplay and getting eaten out or whatever it is and, oh man and stimulating your clit maybe while you're having um penetrative sex like there's a I lot mean, of yes. yeah and can a you lot of sex? erogenous zones that should be touched and you want to feel taken care of, even if you don't even know the person. Yeah. You want to feel like they respect you in that moment. You want to feel safe, for yes. sure. For sure. How long is a typical sexual encounter? What's the average length of time people have sex for? Okay. Is there an average? I'm going to guess there is an average, but I don't know that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know it either. Yeah, I'm going to say the average is probably around like... 20 12, minutes? 12 minutes. Like, sh- Wait, it's shorter. T- what? That's just, like, the penetration or that's the foreplay, the penetration, the whole enchilada? Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people who just go into the penetration. Just slip it right in? I mean, yeah. I mean, think about, I'm sure most people that you're friends with, I'm friends with, are kind of like-minded mm-hmm. and, like, sexual, you know, like to explore their sexuality. Yeah. But if you think about the majority of people or a huge chunk are people that probably wait till marriage— or having sex just to reproduce, or different religious aspects. Um, that does get counted into kind of the whole, right? you know, Got percentage. It. Got it. And those are people who are having sex for a few minutes until they can come so they can have a baby. Got it. Okay. And I do want to talk about foreplay with you as well. Because is it, can foreplay be better than the actual penetration? I think it definitely adds to it. Oh, girl, I think it adds to it, too. <laughs> um, but that's to say, like, a lot of people 
think of sex as only penis and vagina penetration, and that's not true. Right. So I think of, you know, oral is sex. Absolutely. Definitely. Anal is sex. Um, and so, yeah, keeping that in mind. Yes. So if you have a partner and you're having sex and something's going on that you don't like, maybe it's a little too, maybe something feels uncomfortable. Maybe you're just like not getting any pleasure from it. Maybe you're just like, oh, this is not working for me. Switch it up. Or say something. Right in the moment? Yeah, absolutely. If they're, let's say, okay, this is going to get graphic, but let's say you're having sex like doggy style or something. It's going a little too deep. It's hitting your cervix. It's hurting. You can put your hand back and kind of push on their thigh. You know, give me some space between our bodies for a second. Right. You could even say, oh, it's going a little too deep. Um, You could switch around to another position. You could say, rub my clit. I mean, most people think that's hot. I would think that's hot. Yeah. Grab my boobs. Um, whatever it is. It is getting hot in this <laughs> room. Okay. And I also want to talk about people who are asexual because yes. that exists. Yes, it does exist. So can you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah. So being asexual um, just means you don't desire sex with anyone or yes. anything. And that's a very real sexuality mm-hmm. or orientation. And... It's not because something's wrong with you, and it's not because something happened to you when you were young, and that's just false media, and it is a very real orientation, and I think that we need to accept anyone and everyone as they come. Absolutely. How many orientations are there? Is it like a limitless number? Yeah, I think as we kind of grow more progressive, that changes. You know, there. I mean, I would say like pansexual is like a pretty good term that maybe umbrella term for many different sexualities because it means that you're attracted to sexually anyone right um no matter what no matter what yeah are more and more people coming out as pansexual yeah i see a lot of people on social media that are pansexual or it's kind of this idea that you're attracted to who you're attracted to right so a specific person versus i'm bi Um, versus I'm straight. Okay. And do you think it is important to put a label on your sexuality? So no. Okay. I don't personally believe that. Um, I just think your sexuality is so individual. And some people find that labeling themselves is empowering. Got it. Because then they belong to something. They can find other people who belong to their identity. And I think that that's amazing. But personally, I just feel like it's so individual. It's so unique that why do you need to label yourself? It feels like you're sometimes labeling yourself for other people. Okay. That's interesting. So at the end of the day, it's also just find what feels good for you. Yeah. And and it can be a process. I think you don't have to decide what you are in a day. I think it can change as you get older. Maybe you get married and you realize what's working for you or something you've always wanted to try. And yeah, trusting the journey. Okay. Um, What is something that you wish you knew when you were younger about sex? Say you've never had sex before and you're talking to your younger self. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I would say that it's okay and it's important to put my pleasure first because just so, you know, when I was young or I even, I just watch and talk to young people all the time is that they're sometimes trying to please other people, especially when you first engage in, yeah, you know, any sexual activity. And like you deserve an orgasm. You deserve an orgasm. 
Yeah, you deserve to feel comfortable in any sexual experience. You deserve to be respected. You deserve to, yeah, feel good about it. Yeah. Not regret it. Do a lot of people regret even a consensual sexual encounter? Do you think they leave thinking, oh, that wasn't very good? I think a lot of people go through that. Yeah. And I think that the way we can combat that is really communication. So instead of sticking something through when it's not feeling good, say something or stop. You don't owe sex to anyone. So even if you are flirting with someone all night long and and they bought you a drink and then you feel like, oh, okay, well, I should go home with them because they did this nice deed for me and I owe it to them. But you don't. Even if I go to someone's house and I'm flirting with them and maybe I take my top off and then I'm not into it anymore, I can leave. I don't owe you shit. Okay, so say you're in the middle of having sex with somebody. The P is in the V or whatever is happening. If you, in my, this is my scenario. The P is in the V. And I'm like, (laughs) actually, no, I'm not into this. Can I literally leave right then in that moment? Yeah, but I think you say something to your partner just out of like respect. Like, hey, I'm just not down. I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not horny anymore. I don't really, I'm not feeling that comfortable it kind of hurts. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think more people need to know that and empower themselves to practice that. Totally. Because I think there is a feeling of like being locked in with it. It's like you get home from the bar or wherever and it's like, oh, well, definitely having sex now. No, you can change your mind whenever you want. And that is a consensual sexual experience is knowing that your partner can change their mind and you're okay with that. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. What is the best way to have the best sex of your life? You want to get out there and you, you're you horny and you want to do the thing. And you want to do the thing? Can I mean, have- I think that means different things for different people. So like someone maybe wants to have the best sex of their life, but they're not comfortable with one night stands mm-hmm. is going to be very different than someone who just wants to go pick up someone at the nearest bar. Okay. So do you think... I guess it I guess it, again it's different for everybody but do you think you can have amazing sex with a one night stand? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I mean you can just feel someone's energy. Maybe you just both want no strings attached. You don't even want to know each other. You want to slip on a condom or whatever, however you're having sex and just go for it. Yeah. I think that can be extremely empowering for some people. Okay. And do you think sex can get better with time and practice with the same partner? So especially for orgasm for people with vaginas, that's proven that even just the second time you have sex with a partner, your rate of orgasm goes up. Oh, right. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, because you are a little more comfortable. You know each other's bodies a little bit better. Right. Maybe you're more forward about asking for what you want. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. How do you think we can get better at educating people about sex and looking at sex as a healthy thing, not as a something to be ashamed of or as like a taboo, like, oh, she's talking about sex. I mean, in your day-to-day life, just practicing, you know, having these conversations, talking with your girlfriends about your sex life. Um, I don't think you have to go so far as maybe talking with your family or church if that's where you live. But I really think it starts with our school systems, okay? which then is connected to our government, obviously. But as much as we want to talk about this or we want parents to talk with their kids about sex in a certain way, that's just not the reality in most places. So as a whole, something um, that does have real influence is how our school systems talk about sex and safety from a young age. 
what is that young age? What do you think? I mean, I think it starts even in pre-K, kindergarten. What? Yeah, and I, I don't mean talking about sex. No. But it's like, oh, talking about consent and teaching consent at a very young age is very important. So, you know, hey, no one should be touching your private parts. That is a very tangible, real thing to teach a young child. Right. That goes into sex ed. Okay, that's interesting. Is that something that seems to be on the on the horizon? Not in the U.S., but in Canada, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, I want to say Ontario. Oh, yeah. that's. Um, I'll have to look that up, but I believe that they, yes, they implemented a sex ed program a few years ago that starts in kindergarten all the way through, like, eighth grade. Wow. And it changes, you know, the course material changes every year. Wow, that's really interesting because it's true. Like, I never spoke about sex until literally basically the week before I had sex. I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah, and I'm sure that affected <laughs> how your first time went and or it, just oh, how prepared you felt. I remember saying to my, like, best friend, like, I think I'm going to have sex on Wednesday after school. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> and, um... Just like being like, not I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, you just don't know what you're doing. And I would love, I would have loved to like be learning about that from from a much younger age. Yeah, just to even know, you know, where do things go? I mean, there's horror stories. I can tell you a horror story right tell now. Tell me one. Um, of someone having not had any sex education and got married. And they actually, she ended up rupturing um, an organ because she was having anal instead of having vaginal penile sex because she didn't know where her vagina was. And so there can be like, very, I mean, obviously this is an extreme case, but like very real consequences for people not knowing what goes on in their, where their body parts are. Wow. And then engaging in sexual activity. Oh my goodness. Well, my first time wasn't that <laughs> it wasn't that intense. <laughs> but I actually, let's talk about anal really quickly. Okay. I love talking about anal. Okay, let's talk about anal. What do you want to talk about with anal? You have a big smile on your face. <laughs> um, I mean, just my go-tos for anal is always use a condom. Yeah. Because your the material like inside your rectum is the skin is very or the tissue is very thin. So micro tears can happen and can cause a lot of different issues, um, just medical issues. So always use a condom. Oh, also, okay. it's just really easy for cleanup. And then if you have a vagina and you want to switch to maybe having vaginal sex, super easy. You don't have to go wash the penis off. Got it. Um, always using lube. I highly recommend silicone lube okay. because water-based lube dries up. So that's why it can feel kind of tacky. Yeah. And it's because you're supposed to keep getting it wet. With your saliva or a little bit of water on the bedside table. Oh. So silicone will stay slick for hours. Hours of anal. <laughs> I don't know if you want to have hours of <laughs> anal, but it will keep things moving down there. Um, and do you see more, like, I have a lot of straight girlfriends who are just, like, not having anal. Like, they just do not want to go there. They're terrified of it. Are you an anal campaigner? Can it be? I'm not an anal campaigner, but I would say I, it, it can feel really great, and it should feel good. It shouldn't hurt. And there's really specific ways to go about it to ensure that it doesn't hurt. Okay. And I think it's, you know, one of those things that's fun to try. Yeah. If you're down to, I mean, I'm a huge believer and you got this one sex life, so you might as well try everything. You're a trisexual. <laughs> so we get the silicone lube. The condom. The, and the condom. And foreplay. 
And foreplay. Lots of foreplay because you want to be super turned on. It's not something you're like waiting in doggy style to engage in or like start. Right. You should honestly have sex if you have vagina vaginally first for a while. Get turned on maybe even orgasm and then go for anal. Got it. Anal is not just like first out of the hop, no, like no, get no, it in no, there. No, 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 no. That's okay. where you're going to get some problems. There's also, if you want to get me to get more technical, you have two anal sphincter muscles. Okay. And so when I put, I'm showing her like a little <laughs> anus butthole. Not her actual butthole, people. <laughs> no, 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 with my hands. <laughs> but you, when you insert anything in there, the first muscle, can re- you can relax mentally. But the second muscle, which is a little bit deeper, it actually takes time to relax. So that's where people just kind of jump into it and they're like, oh, that's why it hurt. Oh, okay. It's like you literally have to wait a few minutes. Oh. You know, slowly insert something, relax, and then you'll feel yourself relax and then they can go. Should you start with like butt plugs? Yeah. So I'm totally, I think, starting with fingers. Yeah. And then butt plugs and getting used to that while having sex. Yeah. And then start your anal journey. Okay. But don't jump into the anal. We have a question. Yeah. Hello? Hi, Rebecca and Estee. Uh, my name is Janet. And I would say I definitely have a problem with embracing my sexuality just because I am asexual. And I find that a lot of times it's difficult to candidly say that because people just don't understand what that means. And I myself am confused. Um, It's not that I don't want relationships. I understand companionship um, and having a partner. But when it comes to the bedroom, that's where I kind of teeter off. And it becomes somewhat of an awkward conversation for me and what that means uh, for the person that I'm with and how to move forward when I reveal that I'm asexual and I often question whether I go through with certain things because of what society has told me what was normal uh, throughout my life and conversations that I have with other women and other men who have that desire that is so natural to them, which I just don't feel and I've never felt um and it's become <laughs> it's become difficult it's it's a bit of a it's a point of contention um when it comes to relationships that I've had so I don't know I just thought I'd put it out there asexuality is so often dismissed or not talked about and uh I just thought I would say that we exist and it's very much uh, a difficulty especially when people tell me that I just haven't found the right person um, and that's what I'm actually waiting for and I just don't know how else to describe other than the fact that I'm just not interested in in, nor do I understand sexual desire Um, and whether that falls under the category of embracing one's sexuality that's what it is. Uh, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Bye. So, you're asexual. Can you be in a relationship with somebody who wants sex? How does that work? How do you, how do asexual people 
navigate relationships. I mean, I think you just have to be honest about who you are and what your needs are. And so, yeah, that's going to come with a lot of roadblocks if your partner wants to have sex. But let's say your partner wants to have sex, but you're okay with them being polyamorous. So you're okay with them dating other people or you're in an open relationship. Yep. So, you know, we're companions. Maybe we wouldn't live together. Um, we spend all our time together, just normal relationship stuff, but we don't have sex. So my partner fulfills their sexual needs elsewhere. And I'm okay with that because I understand for their sexuality, this is very important. Right. Okay. Open relationships. Are these happening more and more often? Because here in New York, they seem quite common. <laughs> yeah, I would say people are progressing towards being much more accepting of open relationships. I also think it's a lot easier to maybe play around with having threesomes with the invention of dating apps. And there's full apps for like swinging and stuff. So say you're in a relationship right now. You've been dating for three years, and you are somebody who wants to get somebody else involved and have a threesome. How do you go about it? How do you go about it? Um, obviously, talk to your partner first. Yeah. I mean, Convince is, them. <laughs> or just say, you know, I have this fantasy, and I think it'd be really fun. And if you're not down, I respect that. But if you are, I want to explore it. And then, I mean, there's different ways you can play around with an app or go on the internet to find someone who maybe does this a lot. Or you can go to a bar and just try to you know, have a conversation. And I always think in like hetero couples, especially if you're having threesome with another girl, another woman, that it makes sense for the woman to maybe approach the woman about it. Okay. Yeah. Even just flirting with them, buying them a drink, being like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Um, I think you just have to trust the process and have fun with it. And people make mistakes and there's no like recipe for how to do it correctly. So you just trial and error. <laughs> I mean, that sounds very scary to me, but also very fun. And I really commend everybody who's doing having threesomes <laughs> or foursomes or fivesomes or whatever you want to be doing. Yeah. Maybe that's a bucket list thing for me, a threesome. Maybe it is. I just feel like I wouldn't even know what to do. That's not true. I'm sure I could figure it out. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of honestly good like feminist threesome porn that you could watch just to kind of see the mechanics of like, oh, how would we make it work? I would say that you have to be really secure in your sexuality to have one because there's a lot of body parts and a lot going on and yeah. it can be overwhelming. What do you think about porn? I have mixed feelings. It really depends on the porn site, the porn content. Um, I think it's a great, sometimes it can be a good visual image of um, what's going to go on in the bedroom or how the mechanics of things work, but it's also, it's not real and mm -hmm. people don't understand that. You know, most porn videos, they don't have a conversation before they engage in the sexual activity of like, oh, I'm really turned on or this is what I want to be doing. So there's no consent. Most of the time they don't use protection, which is crazy to me. Yeah. And a lot of the time there is like very misogynistic language or the way they treat women in most porn is very – I'm trying to think of like the most. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just – can be kind of scary, honestly. Right. Why don't they use protection in porn? So actually in California, a few years ago, they tried to pass a law to um, require that all 
porn videos or movies made in the state of California would have to use condoms, and it got shut down. And it's because they think that – so porn stars get tested regularly. They are STI-free. So they believe that by requiring these people who are STI-free, it further stigmatizes them, that they're dirty or that they have STDs when they don't. Okay. Which I see that side of things, but also at the same time, especially in the U.S., we're not doing a very good job with our sex education, so it kind of falls on porn shoulders whether they want that or not. And obviously it's entertainment. It's not education, but it does fill that void. And so you can eroticize anything. Mm-hmm. And so if I had only or you had only been exposed to porn your entire life where they used condoms, you would naturally just go towards using condoms every time you have sex. I've been in situations before where the guy doesn't want to wear a condom. What do you say to that? Well, if you're not going to wrap it, then you can leave. <laughs> That's what you say? Yeah. Um, you know, you're consenting to have sex with a condom. You're not consenting to have sex without one. Right. And if they can't respect that, that you want to be safe about your body, then they really don't deserve to be having sex with you anyway. Well, Eileen, I could literally ask you a million more (laughs) questions all about sex. Is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? I, what are, what are your biggest missions with this, with what you're doing? I think just empowering people to take charge of their sex lives. And I hope during my lifetime to see, you know, necessary changes in policy is really important to me because as much as what we're doing, podcasts and all this stuff, it does really matter. There is a greater influence if we can change, you know, the system. Yes, definitely. And how, if somebody wants to help change the system, what do they do? You know, it's voting in your primary. Vote, baby. Yeah, which they're actually coming up in New York. And so, yeah, really taking the effort to look at people's policies, seeing how it feeds into the education system to women's health care, sexual health care. And that's what's important. Okay, amazing. Well, I'm excited to keep up with you. I'm going to check out your site and read all the articles because I think sometimes even if you don't think something necessarily applies to you, you can still learn so much from it. Yeah, and I think that's really the basis of what we do is we elevate voices that maybe don't even pertain to our journey. But that's how we fight ignorance and we fight hate is really just getting educated. Um you know, on transgender issues, on abortion laws, just even things maybe you don't believe in or you don't understand. All you need to do is hear that one person share their story. Thanks, girl. It was enlightening. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me is all about communication. I think that's something that everybody can implement more in their lives and in their sex lives. And I think just being a little more honest with yourself about what you want, maybe, and kind of like taking the steps to make yourself ultimately sexually fulfilled. Everybody deserves that, right? Yeah, taking charge of your sex life. Hello? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 